John said, Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning. We trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, that's some preaching, right? John, John the Baptist, that's a preacher. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. John the Baptist comes preaching hellfire and brimstone. He says, the time is coming. Get your life in order. The axe is lying at the root of the trees. Trees that don't bear good fruit. They're cut down, thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, what then should we do? And the tax collectors ask him, what then should we do? And the soldiers ask him, what then should we do? And John gives them the law, right? The rules, the requirements. For the crowds, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. For the tax collectors, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. For the soldiers, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. Now you can hear in their question, what then should we do? You can almost hear the fear in their voices, right? Just tell me what I need to know to avoid that axe that's lying at the root of the trees? How can I not get thrown into this fire? And John tells them. He gives them the law, the rules, the requirements. Share your coats and your food and do your work honestly. Now this section of scripture reminds me a lot of that John Lennon song, that the one John Lennon Christmas song, Happy Christmas. You've heard this song? I was going to sing it, now I'm getting some performance anxiety, sweating already. I shouldn't have turned the microphone on. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? That's about as best I can do. This is intense, right? He starts a Christmas song by saying, so this is Christmas, and what have you done? Thanks a lot, John Lennon. What about some sort of silent night, or lambs and sheep, or Jesus, or anything? Instead, he starts, this is Christmas, what have you done? I think we can all agree that this is a little jarring way to begin a Christmas song, but it's in line with what John the Baptist is preaching. John Lennon is very much John the Baptist here. And isn't it also right in line with the kinds of things we've been talking about this whole Advent season as we wait for Christmas under the law, right, In the world of rules, in the world of requirements, it's entirely appropriate for John to tell the people, the Son of God is coming, get your stuff together. 
Get your lives in order. Start to be good because he's coming. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? There's almost a finger wag. But I do think that there's something incomplete about the message that John is preaching. And I think that John himself gives us a clue as to why it's incomplete. After he tells the different groups of people what they should do, he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, John is making it clear that he is not the one. He's pointing to the one. He's sort of the guy before the guy, right? The one before the one. But he's not the one. And the one is better than John. John admits this up front. And I want to suggest to you this morning that while John is preaching the law, the rules, the requirements, he's actually preaching a new kind of law. A new kind of rules, a new set of requirements, a set that doesn't actually have all that much power. And so this morning, I want to preach about a new law, but also an old law. As one of my, there's a line in one of my favorite songs, and it goes like this. I think I've quoted this song in a sermon before. Maybe you'll remember it if you listened to my sermons. What's the use in trading A law you can never keep for one you can that cannot get you anything. You hear that? What's the use in trading a law you can never keep for one you can that cannot get you anything? The song is called A New Law. And it's presenting us with this sort of comparison. On the one hand, we have a law that we can keep, but that can't get us anything. And on the other hand, we have a law that we can't keep, but which could get us something if we could. And I want to look for a moment at one of the laws, one of the rules, one of the commandments, requirements that John preaches here. He says, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Simple enough, right? But Jesus says something a little different about your coat. Listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He says, If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And there you have it. Two different kinds of rules, right? Two different kinds of laws. On the one hand, we have John's law, which is a law that we can keep. You have an extra coat, give it away. On the other hand, we have Jesus' law, a law we can't keep. Someone steals your coat, give them another article of clothing too. Give them more. See, John thinks he's being super hardcore, right? You brood of vipers, he says. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then with all that axe lying at the root of the tree stuff. But in the end, John's law can't hold a candle to Jesus' law. John's law doesn't have nearly the teeth 
that Jesus' law does. So which one are you going for, John or Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. If you're anything like me, you're going with John. Give me that new law, the law that I can keep. And we talk a lot here about being perfect and how Jesus commands us to be perfect. He says, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfection is totally old law, right? Old Testament law. Sort of, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. All those alls, that's about perfection. And Jesus' law is about perfection too. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Now see, John here is not talking about perfection. He's talking about pretty good. And pretty good we can get on board with. I like the idea of giving away my coat if I have two. It lets me feel good about myself and stay warm. These are both things that I like. I want to feel good about myself, but I also want to be warm. I like feeling good about myself, but Jesus doesn't seem to want me to feel good about myself. He keeps saying things like, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Can't you just hear, wouldn't you prefer to hear a sort of John's new law version of this? Be polite to your enemies. Stay away from those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, don't strike them back. Yes, that's a law I can keep. But it's not the kind of law that Jesus is talking about, and it's not a law that can get us anything. And you can see also from our reading that John expected Jesus to preach the same kind of message that he was preaching. Look at how he introduces him. This is sort of the greatest introduction in the history of the world. One who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. I live for the day when I'm a speaker at a conference and somebody who's introducing me says that they're not worthy to untie the thong of my sandals. It has not happened yet. One day. John says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. See, John thinks Jesus is going to be kicking butt and taking names. Unquenchable fire! But what John doesn't know is that Jesus... It's going to preach the law, but it's going to be that old law. And that old law leads to the gospel. And I call John the last law preacher. It's not totally accurate because Jesus, as we've heard, preached a lot of law too, and harsher law than even John. After all, it was Jesus who said that we must be perfect as God in heaven is perfect, that we have to love our enemies and that our thoughts must be totally pure. But John is the last preacher who didn't have access to the gospel. He didn't know how it was going to end. He's the
the last preacher who preached the law and then stopped. He's the guy who tried to save people by giving them something to do. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? John said, even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And of course, the crowds asked him, what then should we do? And he told them. He basically gave them a few simple steps to be good. You might say that John's sermons were very applicable to everyday life. But a few years later, when Jesus was around doing his preaching, John actually sent a messenger to Jesus to ask him, are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the Messiah? Or should we wait for someone else? Because what John was thinking was, you're not doing it the way I thought you were going to be doing it. And Jesus isn't doing it the way that John did. John makes the age-old mistake of turning the law into something we can keep. And the tragedy is that John's law can't get us anything. John's law of giving our extra code away doesn't get it done. Only Jesus' law of giving everything away gets it done. As we said, what's the use in trading a law you can never keep, Jesus' law, for one you can, John's law, that cannot get you anything? If we make the law, the rules, the requirements, into something we can do, into something we can keep, we won't know we need the gospel. We won't know we need a savior. Jesus, the friend of sinners, takes that first step and makes the law, the rules, the requirements worse, harder, more difficult. He shows us what love your neighbor really means. And it means so much more than, eh, if you've got an extra coat, give it away to somebody. Not that we'd even do that, by the way. Oh, I, I need my blue coat to go with my brown shoes. I can't just have this black one. What should I wear when I have these argyle socks on? This, this coat's not really extra. This is what I say to myself. I don't have any extra coats. I've only got three or five, you know, but I've, they're not extra. I need them. Love your neighbor means nothing less than the profound words that make up that command. Love your neighbor. You see, we're afraid of a law that we can't keep. And we should be. It makes our salvation dependent on someone else. And that's scary. Except when that someone else is Jesus Christ. John announced the coming of someone more powerful than him. Thank goodness. Because all John has to offer was a new law. A new rule, a new requirement. It was a law that we could keep, but that couldn't get us anything. 
But John did point the way to the one, Jesus Christ, who would first preach an old law, but ultimately not only preach the gospel, but be the gospel himself, be the good news himself. The old law shows us our need. It brings us into contact with our failings. It allows us to know the desperation for a Savior. The good news is not simply that Jesus came preaching a message of grace as opposed to John's law. The good news is that Jesus came to earth to live and die as one of us, not to give us a new law, but to be our salvation. That's why we don't ever have to be afraid. See, John thought that Jesus would come with his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary and burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. John envisioned a totally different kind of Christmas where the bad kids, that's you and me, get a much worse punishment than coal in our stockings. Unquenchable fire! Want to know what Jesus actually said when he actually came? His first public words. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. For the poor, for the captives, for the blind, for the oppressed, which is every single one of us, That makes for a Merry Christmas. Amen.